Hi there, welcome to CKUT. And today on Off the Hour, we have three guests. Uh, we have uh, Marie-Josée Parent, we have Marie-Lou Kraft, and we have Julian Samuel. The subject today is in regards to a public consultation that the City of Montreal is organizing on October 8, 2016, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. via a proxy uh, cultural curator. Uh, they've hired a group called La Serre, Art Vivant. Now, when we say hired, uh, this is a group that was selected. Uh, to uh, create a program of arts. They submitted uh, some ideas they had for a program that would take place during the 375th anniversary, and their selection has been taken. Uh, they, have, uh, they are working along with uh, 12 other organizations uh, that they have chosen that will uh, cr- uh, seek to create 12 works of art that, uh, in a sense, uh, re- will represent uh, a vision of uh, Montreal uh, in 375. Every month for the next uh, 12 months, uh, they are the program which they are calling Possible, the possible, will present 12 works of art, uh, emerging works of art. It could be theater, it could be visual. We don't know yet. They have not been uh, revealed. In partnership with 12 uh, partners, the partners are uh, different groups like Obero, uh, Théâtre Curie, and uh, various other groups that have been chosen by uh, La Serre, uh, Art Vivant. Uh, and they will be seeking to, to put these 12 works of art in 12 unused places in Montreal, places that are not used regularly. Um, these, these artistic manifestations are meant to reflect, uh, be in situ. They're supposed to use the, the location that they've chose. Um, and it's in relationship to uh, durable development, développement durable, uh, sustainable development. And uh, their hope, I guess, is uh, what they call une vaste réflexion sur l'avenir, a vast reflection on the future, and an invitation to really uh, move with Montreal in the Montreal of tomorrow. So I want to speak to uh, first uh, Marie-Josée Parent, who runs a group called Mar- uh, Destination. And maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a bit about your organization. And also tell us about a little bit uh, about anything you've heard about this event or about your, your interaction so far with the city with the 375th anniversary. Yes. Uh, hi. Thank you for having me today. Um, so I am the uh, General Director of Destinations, a uh, Indigenous cultural embassy project for Montreal. Um, it is an Indigenous organization that was started and supported by the Indigenous community of Montreal. So it's a very much a grassroots organization. And uh, we've been working for years now on uh, building a landmark in Montreal that would uh, express uh, the fact that Montreal is also an Indigenous city and that we're still here today, very alive and uh, with a richness uh, of cultural production that we want to showcase. What we hope and what we've been working on is uh, making this fantastic project, this embassy project, a legacy for the 375th of the city and the 150th anniversary of uh, Canada. And Marie-Lou, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I work in theater. I do many things, but I mainly work as a dramaturg with playwrights and directors. And you've uh, worked at some point with La Serre, I think, when they were doing Ofta? Yes, I was working for the festival, and I also worked for the Centre des Auteurs Dramatiques, which is a playwright center here in Montreal. Okay, and Julien, if you could just introduce yourself very quickly. Yeah, um, I lived in Montreal for about 33 years, from 1979 to uh, 2015, and I was fortunate enough to leave the city. I worked as a filmmaker, and as a writer, and as a painter. I now live in Toronto. And I'm very happy I left French Canada. I'm very happy I left Montreal. 
The reason I invited uh, Julian and Mary Lou is that they both wrote some articles. Uh, Mary Lou's uh, article appeared uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. When did it appear? Last week. What was the title of the article, Mary Lou? Uh, actually, it was a reaction to an article that came out in La Presse, not this weekend, but last weekend. And it was about um, diversity in theater or lack thereof. And it was a bunch of theater directors were interviewed about it, um, all white. And they all had very alarming things to say about lack of diversity in theater. And I wrote an, a letter reacting to that article, and I had it signed by about 200 people in theater in Montreal. And it was submitted to La Presse, and they published it last week. I guess this brings us to sort of the, one of the first uh, concerns I have in regards to the event that the city is organizing. Uh, well, that uh, La Serre en vivant as a proxy to the city is, is, is organizing. When one looks at the cultural institutions that have been chosen to the 12 organizations that have been chosen to manage uh, the elaboration of the arts, you do see that uh, there are not visible minorities that are at the decision-making head of these organizations. Uh, and, uh, of course, Julian uh, Samuel, in 2001, in the Montreal Gazette, uh, wrote an article where he says, uh, why are there no visible minorities in key positions at Quebec cultural institution? Why is Quebec decades behind the rest of Canada on this? Does the mostly all-white local media actively block a public discussion on this issue? The institutions uh, that are affiliated with the, with the uh, event the city are doing, uh, definitely some of them have had some great, um, made some great strides, uh, like La Serre has themselves uh, during this year's OFTA made a good effort uh, to represent Indigenous art, working with people like Dana Ashby, Emily Monette, uh, uh, working with uh, experimental artists like Amelia Earhart and, of course, D uh, Dana Michelle. But, uh, you know, we are still see that these organizations, the apparati that still run them, are hardly without any visible minorities in decision-making uh, apparatus. So just, Julian, first, if you could uh, maybe just address your past article about this. The article I published was called Room at the Top, Cultural Bodies in Quebec Lack Any Meaningful represent Minority Representations. I think I published in, in 2000, not 2001. Maybe a French version was published in Le Devoir in 2001. I've been out of Montreal for about a year and a half, and so I'm not deadly acquainted with, with what, what changes have been made or haven't been made. I think the perception I get after having a, a quick look at the article, there hasn't been any progress at all. And since I moved to Montreal in, in, in late 79, mm -hmm. I think it was always a, a society which was very reluctant, very, very insecure about allowing other people in uh, on any level, uh, let alone key positions. Uh, I have, in my uh, 30 or so years in Montreal, experienced people who have been in key positions. Uh, for example, at Print Video, there was a very nice man who worked there, Joseph Eljai, and he has since then moved to Ottawa to uh, head film and video at the Canada Council. That's the true. entire environment that, that I detect that we're all talking about today and um, still absolutely hampered with this ethnic nationalism, which won't let anyone into key positions or which won't really let minorities breathe uh, in, any, in, any, in any way. Um, I think that the list of people that co-signed the letter that was published in, 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 in La Presse, Mary I, I did, a, I did mm -hmm. a quick search through the names. I didn't find 
any any big and famous uh, French Canadians in it. For example, I didn't find uh, that Michel Tremblay signed it. Did he or did he not sign it? Oh, no. No, I don't think Robert Lepage would sign it. And Robert Lepage is Mr. Progressive. He, he thinks that, you know, he holds the, the light in, in Quebec, that he's forward marching. He's absolutely not going to co-sign that letter, I would predict, and neither would a, 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 an experimental filmmaker or an independent filmmaker, Robert Morin, who has had uh, prizes uh, from Quebec. There's a, a cinema prize in Quebec, incidentally, I think I should mention this. Uh, since 1991, the Quebec Cinema Award has been given to exclusively and only white French Canadians, uh, except for one person of Swiss origin. So the entire atmosphere that we're talking about is very very turgid and is not going to let minorities breathe in Quebec. Even though the population of Montreal is, uh, as you say, 56% uh, not white French Canadian, I think the control has been in the hands of white French Canada and they will never, ever let go. And I think that the ratio between minorities and white francophones is, is imbalanced and you're not going to get any movement there at all. They will never let go. Uh, they're pretending to be progressive. Anyone who thinks they're going to open up in Quebec is dreaming. I would say that in, in, uh, in conservative art forms, generally conservative art forms like theater, there's no hope at all. There's no hope at all they're going to let minorities in. If they do, it'll be for some tokenistic kind of thing. They are not going to let anyone in key positions in Quebec at all. And you can go to Project Montréal, which is a, another supposedly progressive party in Montreal. It's all white. It's all white. I, I asked mm -hmm. publicly, publicly I asked um, Fernandez, who's the leader of the party, why there are no minorities. Initially, he didn't want to answer. I pushed, and he said, listen, in the plateau, we don't have many minorities, and I'm not going to do anything about this. So with this attitude, which couldn't be displayed in any other Canadian city, you couldn't do it in Calgary, you couldn't do it in Vancouver, you certainly can't do it in Toronto. What can happen free in Montreal. Definitely you don't see this change. And I want to move to Mary Lou because Mary Lou, in a sense, is somebody who has come after you and trying to attack this. And then I want to speak to uh, Mary Jose about uh, her trip that she just made across the country and what she was seeing across the country as opposed to here. So first, Mary Lou, um, I just want to quote from your article, and I'm going to translate while I quote. Vous me connaissez peut-être. Je fréquente vos théâtres. Je m'assois à vos côtés dans leur salle. J'assiste à vos pièces. Je côtoie des diplômes de votre école et j'ai peut-être même déjà travaillé pour vous. J'ai un diplôme en études théâtrales. Je travaille dans le milieu de théâtre. Je suis spectatrice de théâtre. Je ne suis pas blanche. So just to translate, well, you might know me. Uh, I often go to the theater. I sit right next to you in the theater. I watch the same theater as you. I've got my degrees from the same school as you. And I might even work with you. But I am not white. You're the new generation, and you're still feeling what Julian felt. Can you respond to that sentence? Uh, yes, I still feel the same, um, which is uh, scary, actually, to read an article that was written um, so long ago, and still things haven't changed. And yeah, it's the problem that I've had, um, being the only minority in my field, it happens every single day that I'm the only person of color in a theater where um, sometimes on stage they will talk about these issues, but everyone on stage will be white. And I will live this moment where I 
feel terrible about something that's being said on stage. And I know that I'm the only one in the whole theater who feels that way because I'm the only non-white person. To know that no one is thinking about those issues and that I'm certainly not the only person of color in Montreal. And to know that um, all of those people don't feel like theater is talking to them. And I am exactly the kind of person who goes to the theater, but yet I don't see myself on stage. Working in theater, I've been working with actors um, of color, and they are the people who are most affected probably by this problem because they are kind of the face of theater. They are the ones who are on stage, and they are never considered for important roles. Um, um, I remember once I was talking to an actress um, who was of Chinese descent. And she was saying that uh, in theater school, she was playing a Greek tragedy and she was like feeling her character and she was feeling that it was the, the character was made for her. It was exactly her energy and she was really feeling it. And then her teacher told her, oh, it's nice that you're enjoying it, but really enjoy it because you will never play that character again when you get out of school. You feel like white is kind of default and everyone else is not considered for roles. And that is a problem for actors. That is a problem for anyone who's living in Quebec, in Montreal, and who would like to go to the theater, but they don't see themselves on stage. I, when I listen to your words, I first overcome with sadness. And I think here's a young intellectual who's in the arts, who somehow trying to make her way in. And once the sadness washes over, I feel nothing but anger. I think, why are you in this battle? You'll never, ever win this. You're not going to win. You're going to have to leave Quebec. The only people who win are people like Michael Jean, someone who, if you pay her the right amount, will do whatever is required. Natalie Chung, readers at RZE, and... Norman Brathwaite and Gregory Charles. I don't think these guys, none of these people have in any way that I can think of attacked Quebec racism. They haven't done that. So they've been pulled into the system. So the system can say, look, we have got a pluralist side. We're being unjustly accused of racism. So if you want to stay, you have to do what Norman Brathwaite and Gregory Charles have done. Somehow play that game. But if you at all have a contestatory idea in your head about theater and politics, you'll have to leave Quebec. You won't be able to make a living there. I think it's really interesting that you are naming Normand Brathwaite because um, he is an actor who was probably one of the first people of color to go to theater schools in uh, acting. And when he got out of the school, the first major role he had was a very stereotypical character on national television, which definitely contributed to all the cliches, all the stereotypes people have about people of color. And he played the game and that's how he managed to be successful, which is um, a frightening thing to think about. He's still playing that stereotypical character. 